Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. Anybody excited to be in God's house this morning? I know I am. It's good to see you guys. Uh, We just got back from a a long family trip, family trip. It was a family trip. A lot of y'all been asking me, how was your vacation? Came back from a family trip. Uh, It it was great. It was great. We were up in northern Wisconsin, and uh, uh, the weather up there is amazing this time of year. It was like in the 70s, maybe 80s, a couple days, it got down below 60 during the day. I was like, I love this place. This is awesome. Uh, It was a good trip, but we're excited to be back. I'm excited to be back. Uh, We started this series last week. Pastor Rick, uh, Ricky gave a great word last weekend. Thankful for him. I know we brought it, but today I want to talk to you about the power of our tongue, the power of our tongue. So if you got your Bibles, Bible apps, we're going to be in Proverbs, the wisdom books, Proverbs 18, 21, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, so clearly there's two different ways and also two different kinds of fruit that you're going to participate in when it comes to the tongue. And and I find that really it's talking about two different kinds of love. I think it's talking about whether or not we're loving with our capacity How many of y'all know a lot of times when we're loving with our capacity, it's really going to be more about ourselves than it's about other people. And so if we love the tongue and how it serves ourselves, that will produce death. That will produce the fruit and we'll eat of that. The other side of that is, though, if we love with an agape love, an unconditional love, the kind of love that's not focused on us but focused on those around us, then that will also produce fruit and that'll produce life. How many of y'all know that we need a little more life around us these days? And, and I think a lot of it has to do with how we control the tongue. We just spent a couple thousand miles driving together in a minivan. How many of y'all know that that gives you some, a lot of opportunity to test whether or not you're going to be able to control the words that are coming out of your mouth or not? Like it was, it was like 2,000 miles in a minivan. That's my new band name. Uh, our, our number one hit single is Are We There Yet? Okay. It was, it, it, and you all know how it's like traveling with a family and in confined spaces over a long period of time. Uh, I will say this. I, I still have a lot of work to do when it comes to controlling my tongue. The things that I say. Uh, Cody, my wife, she's amazing at this. Like, we all know she's a better Christian than I am, okay? That's fine. And, uh, but when it comes to just how she articulates herself, how she uses her, her words, it's like, like we can be hanging out with someone, and, and this person can be saying some of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard in your life, right? And I'm over there thinking, like, like I want to re- correct this person, and, and this person is just, we'll, we'll go ahead and say it, stupid, okay? Now, kids, if you're in the room, don't say that word. Well, that's not a word we say, Okay. But, but some of y'all know, like, there's just some people, they just got, like, they got some stupid on them. And, and, but I'll be listening to it, but then when they're done it, Cody, this is how she'll respond. She's like, well, isn't that interesting? 
I'm like, oh, that's a really sweet way to say that, baby. I'm like, it is interesting. It's interesting how stupid they are. Like, I just, but, but she just has a way of, of controlling that. And, and a lot of times I don't have that same self-control with my words. But it's important that we understand that out of our mouths comes a lot of power because our words carry a lot of power. Our words have the ability to either put a smile on someone's face or to hurt them. They either lift us and others out of our stuff, if you will, or they can create and make everyone's stuff that much worse. John Maxwell said it this way, the person who says that they will be successful and the person who says they won't be successful are both right. The power of our words, because the more that we hear words, we start to believe those words. In a lot of ways, these things get tucked away in our subconscious, where even if we're not always hearing those words, they've already kind of landed in a space that will begin to produce something in our lives, because words have power. Marriages and families have been divided because of hurtful words. Some people can struggle their whole lives because of something that was said. Someone spoke death into them at some point. So I think we got to talk about the negative side first. The different ways that a lot of times we can speak death around us. And the first way is through gossip. It says this in Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. I think there can be a lot of times where maybe a lot of us have a tendency to go out of our way to speak negatively about other people. And I think most of us, when we think about gossip, we think about like a certain classification of gossip and then think, well, I don't gossip. But I think there's several categories of gossip and you may wind up finding, man, I know I have done that before. So let's talk about some of these categories of gossipers. First, there's the sharing private details gossiper. Okay, and they may say something like this. Well, they, they told me not to say anything, but... And I would encourage you never to trust that person. Because here's the thing. You can know this. If somebody is willing to talk about someone else around you, they're going to be more than willing to talk about you when they're around someone else. You just can't trust that person. They're gonna tell your stuff to everyone all over the place. There's also the prayer request gossiper. Now Christians are notorious for this. So it might be something like this. Hey, you need to pray for Karen. Um, I've noticed she's been dressing much more provocatively and I think she's got a new boyfriend. Pretty sure he's got a tongue ring. Uh, there's a good chance they're being way too physical. So we really just need to lift her up in prayer. Okay, let's just do that. Let's just pray for her. Okay, it's still gossip. Still gossip. The newsflash gossiper. Bro! You wouldn't believe what I heard. I heard Jake got totally plastered over the weekend. No, I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not serious. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. It happened. Can you believe that? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Newsflash gossipers. 
And then there's just those that are just being openly negative and opinionated gossipers. Man, I just hate Mr. Smith. You know what I mean? Like, he is the worst boss ever, ever. Have you ever just wished that a plane would crash into his house? Have you ever just wished that? <laughs> now, I know those are extreme things. And some of you are like, okay, that's like ridiculous. Like, I would never say anything like that. But have you ever agreed with someone saying something like that? You know, even just the simple agreeing, you just participated as a gossiper. Like these days we say this, right? Right? And that may be the only thing you say. But if you're agreeing with someone about something they just said about someone else, then you're gossiping as well. Have you ever bonded with someone over gossip? Like you had a two-hour negative conversation about someone else, and now you feel better about yourself. And you feel super connected with your gossip friend. Here's the thing. Two insecure people feeling a temporary false sense of confidence at someone else's expense is not a lasting formula for joy, peace, or success. It'll leave you empty. A great example of this, I think, is reality TV shows, okay? More specifically, the ones about these relationships. These ones where these people, they find these just amazing relationships. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Every date they go to is on a helicopter. Totally realistic. You guys don't date that way? Cody and I, we always take the helicopter when we go on dates. It's amazing. But have you noticed how many of those relationships don't last? They don't make it because the whole foundation and premise of it is built around so much gossip and negativity and backbiting. No wonder it doesn't work. Not to mention you're dating 50 people at one time. Okay, pretty, sorry, I'll just move on. Some of y'all like that show and we're here to pray for you after service. Another way that we can speak death, complaining. Mm. Mm -hmm. I may or may not have experienced a little bit of this on our family trip. May have happened just a little bit. Oh, I'm just so tired all the time. I hate my job. It's too hot. I can't wait for winter. It's too cold. I need my Snuggie. Some of y'all have said stuff like this even this morning. Like even in this room. Some of y'all have complained about the temperature in this room. It's hard to make everybody happy. Don't sit underneath the vents for the AC. There's other places sit in the room that are a little bit warmer, I promise. Like in the middle, it's a little warmer. Some of you are like, no, it's not. I'm just like, okay, well, there you go. But here's the thing. Complaining is the primary reason why the nation of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. That was the biggest reason why they spent that time in the wilderness. It was because ultimately they couldn't trust God that he knew what they really needed. And I think complaining really is that. 
It's getting into a place where you're just big or small things in your life. You're not content. It's difficult for you to believe that God has your back. I think complaining really, it's like hyping up negativity. Like coaches and cheerleaders hype up their team, except this is in a bad way. Like, I feel this way. Everyone should feel this way. Don't you feel this way? Let's complain together. But the problem is when we complain, we just add to the problem. And it's death to us. Another way we speak death is negative talk. Okay, so maybe with this, you have a tendency to put yourself down. You know, like I'm ugly. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get over this. I'm going to to bomb this interview. I'll never be successful. Okay, Or, or maybe it's just how you respond to circumstances. Hashtag worst day ever. Oh, I hate my life. Why does my family act like they're on crack all the time? Okay, I can struggle with this. Not my family being on crack, but I can struggle with being negative. I can. I think for me, it's just like, I see things very black and white, you know, right and wrong. And so there's a lot of times when I feel like somebody's doing something wrong, I'm just like, you're doing it wrong, right? Like, stop it. Stop doing that. Here's the thing. The right thing said at the wrong time in the wrong way can still be the wrong thing. Motive has a lot to do with it. And I will say that a lot of times the reason why I get negative is because of my motive. Because I'm not always thinking about what is really best for that person. More importantly, how does the Holy Spirit want to use me right now for that person? Not what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to see happen right now? What does he want to happen? Just being negative. Now, I will say that for some of you that have a difficult time with letting circumstances overwhelm you and you get negative, look, some of the greatest steps in your life are often going to be taken while overcoming some sort of obstacle. Don't respond with defeat. Believe in your ability to overcome, not because you're confident in yourself, but because God says you are more than an overcomer. Don't let that circumstance dictate who you are. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything. Everybody say everything. Everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything. There is no negative issue, circumstance, situation that has to overcome me. I'm not saying it's not going to be real. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not going to say it's not going to stink. I'm just saying it doesn't have to dictate your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your faith. Another negative way, making fun of people. So, you know, a lot of times making fun, it may make us feel better about ourselves. 
making fun of people that are different, less fortunate, less educated, less popular, less affluent, whatever it may be. This causes some major damage. There's hundreds of documented cases of people committing suicide due to just being made fun of, being bullied. It's not funny to do this. Also, insults. Some insults travel with people for their whole lives. Has anybody ever insulted you? Like maybe a parent, mom or dad, and it's stuck? Okay, like, I don't know, you're ugly, you're stupid, you never amount to anything. Look, we need to be protecting people, not attacking them. And now some of you are like, I would never say something like that, okay? But how sarcastic are you? Ooh, man, this is convicting for me. I, I'm like a professional sarcastic person. Like I could get paid to do this. <laughs> but here's the thing. Have you ever heard the phrase, there's a little bit of truth in every joke? Well, sarcasm is one of the strongest forms of that that you can have. When, you, when you're sarcastic at the cost of someone else, and you, you may not say you're ugly, but you may sarcastically just make a comment about someone's looks that really what you're inferring is they're not attractive. Well, that can be the same thing in some people's lives. So I, I actually dug into this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on, but I just want to throw this out there. For, for those of us, including myself, that can struggle with being sarcastic in a way that could tear people down, okay? Now, I do think that you can use sarcasm and it not be this bad, okay? Uh, even in the Bible, there were times Jesus was sarcastic towards religious people. It's awesome. I love it. But I want you to consider this. When you dig into the word, the word sarcasm, uh, one of the, the, the Greek word that it derives from is the word sarkre. And, and if you dig into that word, one of the definitions under that word sarkre is to tear flesh. Uh, and, at, and, and I looked at this definition one time in, in, a, in a reference material. It says, as in to tear flesh like a dog. That picture in my head kind of helps me. <laughs> like, okay, how am I aiming this right now? And this definitely applies with the next way, cursing. You know, cursing isn't just a bad word. It's not just cussing. But words spoken during a time of anger or rage or just frustration at people can be an actual curse that will stick with people for the rest of their lives. You're just like your father. You're not going to make it in life. It's a shame you're not as pretty as your sister. It's too bad you're not as smart as your brother. And some of you, again, are saying, well, I would never say something that direct. But have you been sarcastic? I feel like if you are in a blended family, you have to be especially careful with this. I think how you might talk about your ex, you have to be incredibly careful with this. Sometimes the things that we say, it can become a generational issue with people. Another way is just perverse language or joking. The question is, how do you talk or joke about maybe the opposite sex? 
So I don't know where you're at with that, but this is what I do know. God would prefer his sons and daughters to talk about his daughters and sons in a pure and honorable way. Now, I know that because I know a little bit about the character of God. I also know that because I'm a dad. And I know how I would want other young men to be talking about my daughters. And I know how I would want young ladies to be talking about my sons. I think it's incredibly important that we just examine this. How confident would you be to teach your kids to talk and joke the same way you talk and joke? Like, are you totally confident that you have the moral authority to go to your kids and be like, I am going to teach you what is appropriate on how you talk about people, how you joke? So, look, we all speak death sometimes. We are all guilty. Let's learn a little bit more about what the Scripture says. In John 3, or James, sorry, James 3, 3 through 6, it says this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they have a large, although they are large and are driven by strong winds. Let me pause right there. How many of y'all know there are some strong cultural winds driving things right now? Yeah? How important is it that you are not just blown and tossed by every cultural wind that's happening? Well, one of the things that's gonna keep you on course is understanding the power of your words and how you use them. It's a rudder. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of positivity in there, but really it's just contrasting like, hey, this is important. There's so much power in your tongue. So there's three metaphors in this verse. First, the bit. Okay, so I grew up riding horses. I, I, I started riding horses when I was about four years old. And, um, and just like on a horse. And, and I will say that probably one of the reasons why I loved riding horses so much is because I have control issues. And I think even as a little boy, this idea of being able to control this huge animal just by pulling the reins, like I love that idea. Now the reality is, it was because of the bit that was in the horse's mouth. And, and because of the kinds of horses I rode, I like it. We, had an, we had what was called a snaffle bit. Okay, it's an aggressive bit for a horse. And, uh, but, but we had that because I, I, I rode some horses that are a little more green. They're, they're a little more sketchy. And, but I, I loved being able to, to control that animal, these huge animals. Here's one thing to consider. How aggressive of a bit is God going to have to put in your mouth to control your life? When are you going to see that the words that you speak are driving the potential of who you are? And are you really completely submitted to how God wants to steer and pull the reins? Or are you still in trying to be in control? Or the rudder? Ships, yachts? still amazes me how these cruise ships, these huge ships, are turned by small rudders. It's amazing. Again, through difficult environments, through all kinds of conditions, through wind, hurricanes, crazy stuff, 
that can still keep you on course or drive you off course. The small spark, some of the most destructive forest fires have been started by little sparks. Uh, this place I lived in Colorado, we had a big forest fire not far from where we lived. Tens of thousands of acres burned because a guy threw a cigarette into some dry grass, lit this forest on fire. The interesting thing was you could come to where the fire had moved through several days after the fire, several days, and you could go and, and kick one of the stumps over from a small tree that had burned down, and there were hot embers still burning inside of that tree. Down to the, like it'll continue to feed off the roots. And I think that's a great picture of what happens with our words. It's not just the initial destruction that happens sometimes. There will be things burning inside of people for a really long time down to the root and core of who they are because of the words that we speak, the power of them. So really the whole theme of this scripture is if you change your words, you'll change your direction. You can't be a gossip and be where you wanna be. We can't complain all the time and move forward in life. There's no way that we can bash ourselves and others with negative talk and fulfill our dreams. We can't speak out profanity and perversion and expect to be God's representatives. So here are some things that we can do to speak life. Number one, zip it. Now I know that that sounds kind of counterintuitive, like speak life, don't speak. But honestly, this may be one of the most practical steps that some of us can take today. Maybe one of the most practical first steps that you need to take is just to talk less so that you can pray, consider, and think more before you speak. It says in James 1.19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man. Let's remember this great leadership quote from the hero of Bambi, Thumper. I know you're tracking with me. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. It's bad grammar, but it's a great way to live. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Our words should matter. We shouldn't waste our words because our words are filled with power. We can't just talk and talk and talk and forget that we are slinging power all over the place, sometimes laying waste to people's lives, their hearts. For Cody's birthday, one of the things that she asked for this year is that I do a project with her, which we're in the process of remodeling our house. And so I knew that that meant we were gonna build something together. And uh, it's cool, she's into that. I don't mind doing it to a certain extent. And, uh, but what she asked to do as a project, we were gonna put up one of those barn doors in our house, right? Over one of our doors. And so, uh, so man, I had to take out the old door, take out the, the, the frame around the door, put up new trim, frame the door out, uh, which meant I, I was gonna have to you know, do some cutting. So this is what I learned early on doing any kind of woodwork, measure twice. Sometimes measure three times. 
especially if you're having to walk a distance to get to your miter saw, your chop saw, whatever you're cutting with, measure and then usually write it down, right? But measure twice. Because here's the thing. When you're looking at a tape measure, all those little lines sure can get confusing. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not really focusing on what you've measured, then a quarter of an inch can make a big difference. Especially if you're doing detailed work. It's going to be noticeable. So what I would encourage you to do, measure your words. Measure your words twice. Measure them three times. Before you say something, think about it. Before you post something, think about it. I will say that typically we think more when we're in a conversation with someone about what we're going to say, most of us. Some of us, like me, it can just be like word vomit. Like, oh, oh, sorry about that. Can't take that back. Shoot. But usually when we're talking to people, we may think a little bit more. But I find that social media has removed a lot of those filters. Uh, You know, there's a certain amount of maybe consideration, even if it's the fear of man that drives it, where you won't say certain things around people when you're face to face. But when you're hiding behind a screen and on a keyboard, all of a sudden you have grown this overwhelming false sense of security and confidence. And man, you can put yourself in a really bad situation with the things that you say, the things that you do. Measure what you communicate. We don't always need to voice our opinion. Even when we're asked, we don't have to voice our opinion. No one needs us to debrief their failures and mistakes for them. They're very aware of what those are. And I know this isn't easy because for some reason, negativity has a a way of drawing us in. But we need to walk away. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just keep our mouths closed. This is a part of our membership covenant as a church. One of the things that we, we talk about and that we agree to as members of our church is that we don't gossip. That if there's an issue with somebody, we approach it directly and privately with that person. We don't gossip. Another way to speak life, build others up. Build others up. Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. According to their needs. Again, this, so much of this is motive. A lot of times the reason why we say the things we're saying is because we have a selfish motive. We want a specific outcome for us. But if we were really thinking about the other person, like what does the Holy Spirit want to do in their lives right now? I think it would change a lot of what we would say. Proverbs 10, 21 says, the lips of the righteous nourish many. What would it be like? Imagine if when people see that you're coming or they know that they're going to be hanging out with you, that they get excited because they know that they're going to be encouraged. We should speak encouraging and life-giving, confidence-building words to people. Ladies, can you be secure enough to build other ladies up? Can you be secure enough 
to tell other ladies that they're beautiful, that you like their hair, that you appreciate the way they lead, that you appreciate their confidence. Men, can we be secure enough to encourage other men? Some of you are like, oh, oh, hold on now. What you talking about? I ain't gonna tell another man he's beautiful. I actually had a guy come up after second service and tell me that. And I was like, okay, that's too far. Took this way out of context. But what about just encouraging the things that are gonna help them be a better man of God? Hey man, I appreciate the way you lead in your marriage. Man, I appreciate the way that you're a dad to your kids. Man, I'm so thankful to have a friend like you in my life. It helps me be a better man of God. I think we need a lot more of that. So here are some questions I think that you could ask so that you know how to encourage. You may want to write some of these down. What are their needs? What do they need? What is going on in their life right now? What is the hurt and the pain, but but what's the joy in their life? What would make their day? And once we understand where people are, then we can intentionally begin to craft our words to speak into their life things that will build them up. Let's stop talking about people and start talking to people the way God would talk to them. Also, speak in faith. I find that the more we speak, the more we believe. That doesn't mean that you get everything you want, okay? This isn't one of those things like, well, I declare that that Mercedes cometh to me today. You know, this this is not one of those things. Uh, this, this also isn't, don't be honest and sincere about how you're really feeling and thinking. Like, I'm not saying like, hey, if you're having a tough time, don't say you're having a tough time. Just speak in faith that you're good. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is at one point or another, we have got to start declaring the promises and truth of God's word and what he says about our lives. You may be having a bad day. Those happen, but the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, and God created the day. And he promises that he works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So you may not be having a good day, but God is still good. So you can speak with your mouth, hey, in spite of this being a crummy day, God is good, so I know he's gonna bring good out of this. So this is a good day. He's gonna produce something. I can trust him for that. A loved one may have passed away, but you can speak, God, I know that you promised me a peace that transcends understanding that will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I can walk through this with that peace. You may have a past that you're not proud of, but you can speak out of your mouth. I know your promises, God, that I am more than overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my colorful testimony. You're good. You can work through this. 
Sometimes the enemy will start turning the knobs on your emotions, maybe even to make you feel alone. But the Bible says God will never leave you or forsake you. So you're never alone. But God will also bring you around a community of people. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Someone may betray you, slander you, stab you in the back, but you know that Jesus commands us to love our enemies. So you can speak out of your mouth, God, I choose to love those who will not love me because you loved me when I didn't deserve to be loved. I can love. We got some thinkers in this room and maybe from time to time you can deal with some doubts. You know that God's real, but you're so cerebral that your mind plays tricks on you. The Bible says that God created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every part of who you are. He can handle your doubt. He doesn't mind you telling him about it. But also know the word says that we can take captive every thought that sets itself against the knowledge of who we are in Christ Jesus. And at one point or another, you're gonna have to declare that truth and make the decision. You're gonna take those thoughts captive because if you don't, those thoughts will captivate you and they'll hold you captive for a long time. Start speaking out the dreams that God placed inside of you and what you wanna become. So maybe your marriage is a wreck. Maybe it just needs somebody to speak some life into it. Maybe it feels like it's over. Nothing's ever over with God. He still has a plan and a purpose for your life. I don't know what it is, but I do know that your words have power. And your words coupled with undeniable, irrefutable, eternal, eternal truth, it's power. It's powerful. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I think there's a couple of things I'd like you to do this week. I want you to speak positively the truth Find some scripture that you can couple, that you can speak some life over your situation, your circumstance, your life this week. Another thing I'd ask you to do is to build at least one person a day, build them up, build them up, encourage them, build them up. Someone needs that. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for your word and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that through your gentleness that you bring conviction. And I know some of us, including myself, Lord, it, we're not very careful all the time with our words. We're not careful with the things that we say. So Lord, we, we do come before you and we ask for your forgiveness and, and we repent and we ask you, Holy Spirit as a great counselor, would you cultivate in us a desire and a love that is agape? that is driven not by selfish motive and ambition, but driven by your kingdom and driven by the love that you have for those that are around us. Father, I also lift up every person that even now, even as we're walking through this sermon, they are identifying in their heart and in their mind things that have been said to them even years and years and years ago that were a spark that created destruction, that became a rudder, that got locked in place and drove us off course that steered us away from who we are. And Lord, I thank you that as your spirit brings those things to heart and mind, that you give us 
the strength to address them. And first and foremost, God, if forgiveness needs to be spoken over any person that's ever insulted or cursed us, that we would speak that forgiveness. But also, Lord, that we would use the power of your word, the power of prayer and the power of community to break the strongholds of those curses, of those insults, of those things that have been said to us that have have steered our lives and dictated so much of our feelings and emotions for so long, God, I pray that those things would be broken in the name of Jesus off of every person that's been captive to it. But I also know that there may be some of you that right now, you don't have a lot of hope or peace. You realize that so much of your life and so many of the things that you've said There's been a lot of death. And right now though, you're just like without hope of what to do next. And there may be a chance that the reason why you feel the way you're feeling right now is because you don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus. You don't have him as your Lord, because here's the thing. The only way any of us, including myself, can speak and live the life that God has for us is by His Spirit. And it's only through relationship with Jesus that we have His Spirit inside of us. And so you may be in that place where you're recognizing that you've been religious, you've done the church thing, but you've never had a genuine relationship with the Lord. You've never come to Him and surrendered who you are to all that He is. You've never asked for forgiveness for your sin. You've never repented. Or the maybe at one point or another, you feel confident that you made that decision. But over the course of your life, and certainly in this moment, you don't feel near to God at all with no confidence about your eternity. And I know that God's heart would be for you to walk out of this place with confidence that he loves you, confidence that you are forgiven. If you're here today and you know you're in one of those places where you need to come back to him or you need to surrender to him, as your brother in Christ and as your pastor, I'd love to pray with you. And I would just ask you to be bold like Christ was bold for you. Be willing to admit it. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you please put your hand up so I can pray with you today? I need Jesus. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I got you guys. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Got you over there. Got you, bro. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Got you. Yes, sir. Got you there in the back. I got you, bro. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm away from you. your weakness to God so that his power can be made perfect in you. Is there anyone else? I need Jesus. I know I do. I'm away from you. Got you. I got you. Father God, I thank you for every one of those hands. I don't know their story. I don't need the details. You do, Holy Spirit. You're here to meet with them. Thank you for that. Thank you for comforting them. But Lord, they They're here to make a decision. I'd encourage you, at some point you need to go public with this decision. 
You need to tell somebody you made the decision to follow Jesus, to surrender your life to him. A great way to do that is through water baptism. I, I encourage you to tell somebody though as soon as the service is over. But let's just talk to the Lord right now, right where you're at. Say something like this, say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you, but I believe that you came and you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin on the cross. I thank you that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the grave. And when you rose from the grave, you defeated my sin. You defeated death itself. And because of that, I have the hope of heaven, but Lord, I don't wanna just wait for heaven. I wanna live my purpose for you now. And I thank you that, that you've created me to do something for your kingdom, but I know the only way I can accomplish that is I can't live for myself and I can't be the one that's calling the shots. You've gotta be the one calling the shots. And so I surrender to you as my Lord. I need you to save me from my sin, but I need you to be the boss and to, to direct my steps. And I know the only way I can do that, I can't live the way I've been living, so I repent. I stop, I turn away from living for myself, living for the world, and I wanna live for you for the rest of my life, for your glory, for your kingdom. Father, I thank you for every person that made that decision this morning. I thank you, Lord, that they're a part of your family. And I pray that you would help us as their church family to come alongside of them in any way that we can and help them become the disciples, the fully devoted followers of Christ that you've called them to be. We thank you for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing them. You're the only one that convicts. You're the only one that can draw. Thank you for being so faithful. Lord, I thank you that you help us all to consider the power of our words. Power of our words. Lord, let us be slow to speak, quick to listen. Don't let our emotions overwhelm us, Lord. Help them to be submitted to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.